Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for November 29th, 2017. On today's show, we're going to be diving into a bunch of news, including the possible end for Star Wars The Skywalker Saga, HBO showing airplane edits of movies on their premium network. Disney is back in talks to buy Fox. Uh, the real accusations against John Lasseter have, are beginning to come to light. And in our feature presentation, Hawaii Tran Bui is going to join us to uh, with a reaction and a geeky analysis of the Avengers Infinity War trailer. So that's something you can look forward to uh, after we get through with the news. This is Peter Serretta, and on today's podcast is Slash Film writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Chris Evangelista. Hello. And we have a special guest on today's podcast, everyone. It is Sabina Graves from Superhero News. Hey, everyone. So, Sabina, we know you uh, because uh, (laughs) we we encounter you uh, weekly in L.A. at the junkets and at the screenings. But uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background in uh, film fandom. Okay, yeah. Uh, I am a pop culture commentator and critic on sites like Superhero News, their YouTube, and other like movie nerdy places like Coming Soon and Movie Phone. I freelance for a bunch of places all over saying is uh we have read your work online somewhere yes, <laughs> yes. no definitely usually definitely anything related to like uh superheroes or disney i know you and i like totally like geek out over disney movie and theme park things all of the time <laughs> yes and we've, we've waited in many lines for star wars goodness <laughs> uh in at conventions and stuff but uh speaking of star wars let's jump into the news uh there's a bunch of star wars news today uh it, it, one of the bits is a kind of a bit of, of surprise that star wars episode nine will likely be the end of the Skywalker saga. Ben, what do we know? Yes. So uh, Rolling Stone published a lengthy profile today on The Last Jedi. And in this piece, it says that not only is the current trilogy going to come to an end with J.J. Abrams episode nine, but also Abrams himself says that that could mark the end of the Skywalker saga as a whole. And his, his exact quote was, 
I do see it that way, but the feature is in flux. So there's still obviously a little bit of room left for them to sort of uh, change their minds or go in a different direction. But it's telling that that is where Abrams mind is right now. And and that's the, uh, you know, at this stage when he's prepping episode nine, getting ready to write the script and all that stuff, that's what he's thinking about. He's looking at this as like a definitive end to the entire Skywalker story. And to me, it sort of makes sense because George Lucas obviously originally had like this nine film vision in mind. So that would sort of bring that full, full circle. And then also with the passing of uh, Carrie Fisher relatively, relatively recently and the death of uh, Harrison Ford's Han Solo character in the previous movie, there's not really much left for the, uh, the legacy characters, I guess, to do. So unless there is a big reveal that, you know, one of the character, new characters like Daisy Ridley's Ray or something is actually a Skywalker, it would sort of make sense to uh, close off that particular part of the story and move off into other adventures in a galaxy far, far away. Well, uh, spoiler alert for The Force Awakens, but Kylo Ren is a Skywalker <laughs> blooded person, so it could go on with just him alone. And even if Ray wasn't of that bloodline necessarily. But uh, this seems really weird to me because, you know, Kathleen Kennedy did interviews around Force Awakens saying that, like, you know, they were going to continue to do kind of Skywalker saga films. And even like, I think a month ago, she was talking about how they were having discussions about having future films with Ray, Poe, BB-8. Sabina, like, do you think that they're actually going to end these films with these characters at episode nine? You know, I really wouldn't be surprised if they moved away from the legacy characters. It kind of makes sense. Uh, A lot of the complaints I've seen online about sort of like episode seven has been like, you know, the handling of legacy characters or even sort of the fatigue of like, you know, revisiting things in Rogue One and with the Han Solo story. Uh, But I would also point out that one of the strengths of episode seven is that they introduced so many new characters that instantly became iconic and endearing, like Poe, Finn, Phasma and Ray that you know like and then coming up with the new films with Rose and even I would say Porgs um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know they kind of went into a direction that was like you know what we know this universe is so vast and we're going to tell stories that have these e- engaging characters and may even introduce new people and places to go because I mean it's, it's Star Wars we've been in this storyline for so long that you know like it, it might be time to just move on I don't know, guys. I I, I think that, like, maybe they're going to take a break. Um, It seems like uh, Daisy Ridley wants to do other films and some of the other actors want to do other stuff. Uh, But I I just think that we're going to have to come back to this. Like, like, I want other stories in this galaxy, and it looks like we're getting that with this Ryan Johnson trilogy that's being planned. But I don't know. I, I, I just can't see this being the definitive end of everything. And if even if it is planned as that, you know... Disney wants money and do- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, moving on. HBO is apparently showing neutered airplane edits of some of their movies and filmmakers are uh, su- unsurprisingly not happy about this. Uh, <laughs> I saw Robert votes tweet about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, what do we know about this? The director of uh, Kong Skull Island noticed that the version of Kong Skull Island being shown on HBO right now is apparently the airplane edit. And if for those who don't know, airplane edits are 
they're often in the wrong aspect ratio. Sometimes they remove scenes, stuff like that. So apparently that's the version being shown on HBO right now. And he called them out on it. And then uh, Peter Ticino, who directed Keanu, commented and said the same thing happened to his movie. Oh, no. And, and uh, basically they went back and forth on Twitter and they came up with nothing. There's there's really no solution to it. HBO apparently doesn't really care. They actually have a history of this um, with the, the their series The Wire when they went to remaster it because it was originally not shot in HD format. They went to remaster it. Uh, they did that in the wrong format and The Wire creator David Simon had to call them out on it. So apparently HBO just has this history of not really caring about the quality of what they're showing for some reason yeah that's terrible (laughs) yeah and um you know if if you've ever seen a film that is in wide wide screen like the 235 aspect ratio you you never usually see that on hbo it's always uh somehow cropped into that 185 uh, or the whatever the widescreen television format is nowadays um but it seems like uh what's his name the director of keanu says that like from now on in his agreements to direct films, he puts it as <laughs> a, a stipulation that he needs to decide what version of the film is is displayed on television. Which is no, totally. I mean, like, especially like for a movie like Kong Skull Island too. That movie is not meant to be seen in any way outside of what the director intends it to be, because that the gorgeous cinematography and how it was shot. That's what you should be, you know, getting when you're paying for a service like that. And Ben, you recently flew on airlines and encountered uh, some of these edits for yourself on an yeah. airline. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm echoing what you guys are saying. It's it's really ridiculous for HBO to be uh, like they have access to the correct versions, one would assume. It seems like, you know, that's something they could easily get from the studio. I don't understand why they're yeah. like taking a hard line stance on like, well, it doesn't matter because <laughs> it's on TV. Like. That's such uh, an outdated uh, mindset to have, especially where, you know, we're in an era where the past, whatever, 10 years, people have been talking about how the lines between television and, and movies have been blurring because of the great quality of, you know, of how television. good TV, yeah, how we good have TV like 4K gotten and everything. and everything now. It's, it's sort of ridiculous to overlook something like that. Yeah. And to, to purposefully show a, a, a worse cut of something <laughs> just is baffling to me. Yeah, it, it seems to me that they just don't want to have those uh, letterbox bars on their channel because, you know, probably uh, mom and dad do not understand that. Um, but I think nowadays most people do understand, uh, you know, the aspect ratios of, of movies and film, right? Uh, so I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see if HBO does anything about this. They, they, they have long been... Uh, this has been a long problem this isn't something just new it's just filmmakers are now speaking out about it um moving on uh we've been talking a lot about universal monsters dark universe uh franchise which kind of crashed and burned uh guillermo del toro is doing press for his new film the shape of water which by the way i saw last night and is amazing Ah! Uh, have you seen it not yet <laughs> i'm it, like come on <laughs> yeah it's, it's so beautiful it's great you should check it out um yes. but uh del toro's doing press for that and he says he regrets turning down uh running the universal monster dark universe chris what do we know right so this is a uh, depressing information because del toro would have been perfect to handle 
you know, the, the reboot of the universal monsters, but yes, he said in 2007, back before there really was what we now know of as the dark universe, quote unquote, universal came to him and gave him the option to, to really pick and choose what he wanted to do. Just relaunch the entire monsters brand. And he turned them down. He doesn't really say why he turned them down, but he just turned them down. And he says it's one of his uh, biggest regrets of his career. And it's one of my biggest regrets, too, now that I know it, because uh, <laughs> as everyone knows by now, the, the dark universe, as we know it, is pretty much dead because it got off on the very <laughs> wrong foot. Multiple so, times. Yeah. Yeah. And it's at the same time, it's also interesting because uh, the shape of water is sort of like a creature from the Black Lagoon remake. Right. Almost. So he sort of had his cake and eat, ate it, too, in a way. But I wish he was able to relaunch the monsters as well. Yeah, so yeah it be- seems like he. Yeah, it seems like he goes into these IPs like Haunted Mansion and sort of Universal Monsters, and then ends up sort of creating like his own thing that later become things like Crimson Peak and Shape of Water. So it's like really sad because you do want to see him, you know, helm these movies, but you know, he he gets you know, like you said, he he gets his cake and eats it too. <laughs> yeah, it's just a shame that with with him, you know, he gets attached to like you know twenty projects and makes one of them. And uh, there's so many great – he's just such a great filmmaker and you want to see – you know, it, it would have been great to see him in charge of the Universal Monsters uh, universe, although that would also mean that he wouldn't make uh, other films for the you know foreseeable future. So, uh, you know, it's that Ryan Johnson Star Wars scenario again. Right. Um, but moving on, we, uh, last oh, week – Oh, actually, really oh. quick. Yep. <laughs> it was, actually, I was going to mention uh, with Universal sort of like obviously abandoning their dark universe, I wouldn't be uh, surprised if they, end, you know, they handed it over to Blumhouse, you know, since they're working so well together. Yeah, they're supposed to be teaming with yeah. Blumhouse on some monster films, but I'm not right. sure how that's going to work out because, you know, they usually do the lower budget uh, stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, I think for these stories, they don't necessarily have to be told in like that big blockbustery take that obviously hasn't worked because um, you just really have to stick to being true to the core of the story, but also still updating it in a reimagining for today's like movie audience. Yeah, I mean, but- I think. It really yeah. makes me wonder like, if, like, they had done approach the mummy like that as kind of like you know lower budget thirty million dollar you know contained film, if that would have been a lot more interesting. And my I get I guess my my head is telling me yes as I'm saying that. So <laughs> yeah, no, and I think maybe Universal's waiting for Blumhouse to release Halloween and and see if like an iconic horror icon could be you know translatable to today's audience within like a lower budget and you know just go go they should just do it <laughs> they should just get like james wan and jordan peele yes they need to do everything yes <laughs> and last week we talked a bit about john lassiter and allegations against him uh you know some of those allegations are now starting to uh see a light of day uh last week we mentioned uh something having to do with Rashida Jones and Toy Story uh four we have an update on that as well as these new allegations Ben what do we know 
Yeah, so um, in our original report, um, we had heard from, I think it was the Hollywood Reporter that initially revealed that these allegations uh, against uh, Pixar creative, chief creative officer John Lasseter involved uh, Rashida Jones, who's an actress and a writer. She and her writing partner, Will McCormick, were originally going to be working on Toy Story 4, and this original report said that they left the project because Lasseter made a, quote, unwanted advance towards Rashida Jones. Um, right after that came out, a few days later, Jones actually clarified and said, uh, we did not leave Pixar because of unwanted advances. That is untrue. We parted ways because of creative and, more importantly, philosophical differences. There's so much talent at Pixar, and we remain enormous fans of their films. However, it's a culture where women and people of color do not have an equal creative voice. So it seems like somebody got their their wires crossed when it came to the uh, the Rashida Jones unwanted advances uh, yeah. story. I'm not really sure where that came from, but she clarified. And, um, you know, th there's a whole separate conversation to be had about the culture of Pixar at, at large and, and sort of how that may or may not be, uh, you know, inclusive enough or whatever. But actually, uh, for before, our... before you move on, and I'm not saying Rashida Jones is, is lying. I'm not accusing her of anything. Uh, but... Uh... You know, I'm I'm kind of wondering. This is something I've been thinking about since last week when we talked about this. Was uh, if you were an animator in in and lived in the United States and you wanted to animate feature films, and something happened to you with John Lasseter, would you come out on record with your name? Because that literally means that you're probably not going to be hired again by Pixar or Disney, which represent probably, what, 75% of the jo animation yeah. jobs in, in the United States. So if, I, if I'm, I'm – I'm not saying that like it wasn't hard for these women to come out against Harvey Weinstein, but you could still get jobs elsewhere in Hollywood. In, in, in this case, like if you come out and put your name on it, uh, it could uh, – it's scary. It's very scary. I mean, it's scary either way. But uh, Sabina, do you have any thoughts on uh, on this? Like, I I wonder. Like, is this why we're not seeing people come put their name on record? Uh, about yeah, John Lasseter? I think I think it's just it's just a very problematic situation in how accountability has been handled uh, since the start of Hollywood, or really since the start of any you know like corporate you know company every day we're finding out that um you know like some old dude you probably admired has done some really shady stuff and it it sucks but it kind of is great that we're in a um time right now where we are taking these actions because it seems that men in power oftentimes sort of uh easily revert to like base animal instincts and lose inhibitions in places where they feel like they have the most power and with that you know comes a sort of like uh like uh abuse that lets them sort of you know cross moral and ethical boundaries that we've established as a society and it's sort of like now at a time that we have more people saying hey you know like when this happens these people who are the people who are doing these actions should be the ones who will be no longer be asked to participate in society who have to like take a step back and you know stop taking opportunities from people uh in order to sort of like become functioning members of society who we're, are going to have to be the ones who live with the shame and not the victims anymore oh for sure um and Ben, you, you have some more to the story. Still, no, 
names on record coming out, but some sources that Deadline is quoting. Uh, what do we know? Yes. Yeah. So uh, Deadline has some pretty unsettling quotes from a woman who used to be an executive at Pixar. And she said, uh, talking about Laster, he's very tactile in a weird way. He would rub my leg in a meeting. It was creepy and weird. It got to the point where I wouldn't sit next to him in a meeting because it undermined everything I said. So that was her quote. And then, yeah, so that's like very sort of skin, skin crawling. Yeah. Um, And the the fairy thing. Yeah, yeah. So two other sources say that uh, Laster attended rap parties with a handler who was basically tasked with making sure that he didn't engage in any sort of inappropriate behavior with women. Uh, In 2010, he was seen passionately kissing a female subordinate at a party and high level discussions were had from Disney and Pixar employees about his behavior. So there's a lot of uh, discussions about what Disney knew and when. And then there's this other thing about this uh, Disney's fairies, which is a, like a spinoff series of movies, books and and products that are like uh, involving the Tinkerbell brand and stuff like that, where Lasseter was reportedly obsessed with the young character actresses who are portraying these fairies. And he like went out drinking with them. And one Pixar employee had to become like an escort you know, like taking them around together and stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, there's, it's, it's, uh, it's bad news all the way around. I mean, the, the way this sounds to me is Disney knows all about this. If they're sending an escort around with him to make sure things don't happen, then they are fearing things are going to happen. And I love Disney and that is crushing to me. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. And we, we, we also have a, a, another firing. Yes, yeah. yeah. And Andrew yeah. Kreisberg, who is the, um, I guess, a co-showrunner of uh, The Flash and Supergirl. He was like a co-creator and executive producer on all of the CW uh, superhero shows. He was suspended, I think it was three weeks ago, for sexual harassment uh, allegations and stuff. Uh, Warner Brothers Television Group launched a, a full investigation, and now that investigation investigation is complete and they have fired him from the company from all of those positions so they're you know released a statement saying after a thorough investigation warner brothers television group has terminated his employment effective immediately we remain committed to providing a safe working environment for our employees and everyone involved in our productions so that's where we stand right now that's like you know the it seems like every every day every other day one of these dominoes is falling and that's just the one that that fell today yeah, totally. I mean, even just on like a wider global scale with the news, it's it's becoming increasingly harder for people to try to sweep things under the rug or hide it because we have everything's just so visible now. Like the visibility is you have like a like a footprint in every sort of technology that people could discover these things. And it's great because it lights a fire under the butts of all of these corporations to you know change how they uh, are making people be accountable so i'm it sucks because i'm also like a really big like disney fan but you know i I hope that the company changes for the better that this keeps if this keeps going on yeah it's unclear if john is going to come back to the company and after his six month uh, sabbatical or if uh you know if some of these allegations if if people actually are actually brave enough to come out on record and you know say these things publicly if that will change things uh a bit uh we'll have to see we'll keep following the story uh another story we talked about uh last week or the week before was disney was in talks to buy fox those discussions had (laughs) ceased but now they are back up again chris what do we know 
Right. So uh, once thought dead, these rumors about uh, Disney buying Fox are are seem to be back uh, alive again. Um, and apparently they're, they're fast gaining steam, according to Deadline, saying that the plan now is for uh, Disney um, to purchase the TV and film studio of Fox going forward, which would obviously be a big deal for Disney and would give them even more power in their increasingly powerful uh, output. They're they're pretty much going to be a monopoly sooner or later yeah. where they, they seem to own every every piece of entertainment for better or worse. Oh, yeah. And I mean, that includes like IPs like Avatar and X-Men, which I mean, with Avatar, it's not that like big of a stretch because they already have like a lot of stakes with that, with having Pandora at Disney World and the relationship with James Cameron, who seems pretty down with it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm struggling because I'm a huge Disney fanatic and, you know, I'd love to see the X-Men return to the Marvel Cinematic or not return, but actually be incorporated into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Or the Fantastic uh, Four, Marvel's first family. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I think less competition is bad for everybody involved. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, let's move on from this to our feature presentation, which is talking about this Avengers Infinity War trailer, which which came out at like 3 a.m. this morning or whatever. <laughs> whatever it was, it was way before I woke up. For this discussion, we're bringing on Slash Film writer Y Tran Bui. How's it going, HD? Hey, everyone. I'm good. I just spent three hours uh, diving through an Avengers trailer, so I'm ready to talk even more about it. Yes, we're <laughs> going to get into all the geeky details. We're going to overanalyze so this much. trailer. It's going to be fun. But before that, um, and by the way, if uh, you know, if you do not want to get into those details or possible spoilers that we're like noticing in the trailer, you know, not that we know any information beyond the trailer, uh, you know, please tune out now. This has been your warning. Uh, but okay, let, before we get into that, let's get into our general reactions. And Chris is going to join us for this, and then he's going to bow out because he has uh, some stuff to do. But uh, Chris. Why don't you start us off? Because I, I have a feeling that you are going to be uh, the, the the outsider on this one. Uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I feel bad. I don't want to rain on anyone's parade or be like a downer. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's just my mood at the moment, or I'm burned out on superhero movies after seeing Justice League so recently. But this trailer did very little for me. I mean, I I like the MCU. I, I've liked most of their movies, and I. I I appreciate that this is a big deal. It's it's what they've been building to. They're they're bringing all their characters together for this big film. But I don't know. Something about this trailer just didn't do it for me. I, I don't know if it just seemed too busy. Maybe that's it. Or just, I don't know. Like I said, maybe I'm just burned out on, on superheroes, but... I, I wanted I wanted more. Like I I feel like something like this should have a real big wow factor, and I didn't get that from from watching it. But again, that's that's just me. You know what it might be? It might be that now you tune in for a Captain America movie, and it has like you know half the Marvel roster in it already. You know something like this doesn't seem as special, although it it does seem cool to see you know the Guardians with Avengers and Doctor Strange. You know them in there with Doctor Strange. Uh, this trailer for me. Uh, I think epic is the word. It's big and uh, just, uh, I don't know, it, 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 exciting. But I guess um, and I, I can already hear people criticizing me for what I'm about to say. Uh, I kind of miss that. 
kind of miss the humor in this trailer. Like, there's, it's kind of devoid of humor. And I know that all superhero films and all Marvel films I don't thought, have to be funny. I, I thought what Thanos says was darkly humorous. <laughs> well, yes, but uh, yeah. So, so, Sabina, what what did you think of this trailer? Uh, you know, I can kind of see that it it can be over overly stimulating because you are getting all of these characters all at once, and they also cut the D twenty three Comic Con uh, clip of Thanos throwing the, a moon <laughs> that a lot of people were like, "That's not in there." Um, but I, I I'm excited that we're going to see all these characters. I'm a little nervous about it being overly bloated because there are just so many people in it. Uh, but from the looks of what we're seeing here, it's great to see like the best from like earth and wakanda and the galaxy time and space just coming together to take on this threat that they're clearly not like ready to take on because it's it is a dark trailer it is a, like how are we going to do this because they're just being have they're just having all these things thrown at them that you know it's I, i'm okay with it not being humorous because it's throwing some seriousness into the mix which i kind of think the marvel films have been lacking you know you know what it is i think it's mostly just avengers age of ultron and the seriousness and the darkness of that movie uh kind of left a bad taste in my mouth and i'm hoping that this doesn't do the same uh ben what are your what is your general reaction for this trailer um I'm I feel like I'm somewhere in between you guys and Chris like I I certainly am not uh, as burned out as as Chris seems but um, but I'm also like not I don't know I feel like it maybe it's just a good teaser and and you know there's not that much there that uh, that wow moment that Chris was talking about I didn't really get that like the final shot of them sort of running in a line or whatever. Like, we've seen that so many times from these movies. Um, I understand they're probably holding a lot back, which is great because as somebody who, you know, generally prefers to be surprised by big moments in the theater in that context, I love not seeing that stuff in the trailer. But just on in terms of this trailer uh, as it exists right now, I'm sort of like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm on board for this. I, I like these characters. I'm I'm ready. Uh, go for it. But I wasn't, like, blown away. I, I, you know, if if if, uh, if there was a reaction video of me watching this trailer, it would be, like, me sort of, like, raising an eyebrow, nodding my head, and that's it. I wouldn't be, like, screaming and running around in circles in my living room. Ben, we should have You're recorded. You're not that teaser trailer. Yeah, we should have recorded that reaction. That would have been that would have been good. <laughs> uh, but right now, I'm going to let Chris go. Chris, uh, where can people find more of your work online? I am at slashfilm.com every day, and I'm on Twitter at c evangelista four thirteen. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Thank you, Bye, Chris. Bye. Okay, so let's dive into the geeky details and let's talk about uh, some of uh, what we saw in this trailer. Um, I think probably the most notable is the new looks for these Avengers. Um, everyone, uh, you know, uh, Black Widow has a, a bleach blonde hair. Captain America <laughs> has a beard. Uh, what do you guys think about the new looks? I think it's really funny that, like, uh, both um, Peter Parker and Hulk have Iron Man armor because it makes Tony Stark the Iron Man armor Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> you get an Iron Man ar- armor. You get an Iron yes, Man armor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's one of our readers pointed out there's a scene in here where uh, where they are in, I think, uh, the Sanctum and you yes. can see in uh, Tony Stark's hand he has the flip phone that... Uh, 
Captain America gave him at the end of Civil War, uh, which is, a, you know, a, a, an interesting detail that I think I, I definitely missed the first few times I watched the trailer. So that's obviously when, you know, shit is going down and he has to call his, you know, his friends uh, to, <laughs> to help him. Super uh, friends. Yeah. Super uh, friends. W- what else did you guys notice in this trailer that was cool? Actually, before we do that, what did HT think about the trailer? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I've... Yeah, what did you Yes, HT, <laughs> what did you think about the trailer? Well, right now I'm kind of in a daze because I just uh, examined every frame of the trailer for uh, three hours just now. But I really liked it when I first saw it. I was uh, watching it GMA to uh, make sure that I caught it when I got online. And I was excited, especially uh, during the last sort of hero shot when you see uh, Cap, Bucky, um and uh, Hulk and Black Panther and Black Widow all together. And I was like, that's a really cool shot. It reminded me of, you know, the first hero shot that we saw in 2012's Avengers and then again in um, Age of Ultron. But I will say that I was very overwhelmed by Thanos' look. That was the part that really didn't jibe with me just because he looked so underwhelming and just kind of like a purple larger Josh Brolin. And I was like, okay, well, at least, you know, they're trying to maintain his facial structure and not turn him into like some CGI mess. But he didn't, he didn't strike me as a very intimidating big bad. And I think that's where I think the trailer lost me because I really enjoyed seeing all the characters that I loved and seen for the past 10 years um, unite and or, or reunite rather. But yeah, the big bad, which I think is the big sort of a uh, selling point of this trailer. I think that's why Chris kind of didn't really um, connect with it. I think that's the part that is really lacking something. That's interesting because yeah, no. I, I was thinking the exact opposite. I, I really? thought like, yeah, I was like, and I, maybe it has something to do with um, just how terrible Steppen, Steppenwolf looked in <laughs> Justice League. Oh but, like, my gosh, that was the, so bad. <laughs> like the idea of, you know, being able to recognize a human being underneath uh, a villain is a very basic thing. But mm-hmm. just seeing it done uh, to this degree, I was like, oh, there's Josh Brolin. He's playing this character. This is a real character instead of just, you know, a bunch of pixels. So I was I was actually excited. And yeah, he does look a little goofy. Um, You know, he's bald. And if he doesn't have his like whatever gauntlet and and helmet on, he looks a little goofy. But Mm -hmm. there's there are moments in this where he like choke slams Spider-Man. And like, you know, there are moments where I was like, holy crap, like this is, you know, he's not messing around. So I I was sort of like surprised with with Thanos, who has basically just been like sitting around in the MCU. Yeah, in a a fancy chair. I well, no, I kind of see how audiences have lost trust in CG villains, I and mean, we haven't really had any successful ones. Uh, and it, it's it's a little bit of a bummer, though, that um, one of the more successful CG characters that have been in a film recently is, uh, I believe his name was Jirotan in Warcraft. Uh, when I watched Warcraft, that character was the most endearing, and like uh, I was with that character's arc, you know, partly because of Toby Kebbell's performance, but how it rang through the CG and how Weta did an excellent job. So I'm hoping that, you know, like the same thing happens with Thanos, where it's the care is taken to flesh out a character and not so much just like a video game boss villain, like in justice league yeah i did enjoy the design of the one black order henchman that we saw uh midnight proxima she looked very cool but for me i don't know thanos i just didn't really connect with i'm not interested in the character i guess and uh you mentioned the black order Uh, a lot of people listening might not know who the black order are uh can someone recap who who are the black order 
so the Black Order are uh, four of Thanos's henchmen. Uh, they're his sort of children, like we saw with uh, Nebula and Gamora. Gamora. Except, uh, yes, Gamora only. Uh, so they they uh, except they left his sort of family, I guess you would say. But they're um, they're four of Thanos's henchmen, and they serve as sort of the on bringers of his apocalyptic war. And um, the we only saw one Black Order henchman in this one, and that's uh, Midnight Proxima or Proxima Midnight. Sorry, I'm yes. confusing myself. Yes, Midnight Proxima. <laughs> and um, the, the, the other one sounds like an anime character. <laughs> yes, um, she's the lone female uh, henchman. Who and, I hope uh, is played by Catherine Winnick, by the way. I'm just like, come on, give us some Catherine Winnick. <laughs> is she cast in this movie? I no, no, no. I'm saying I'm hoping it's someone like Catherine Winnick. <laughs> that would be amazing. But yeah, she's um, seen fighting uh, Captain America and uh, I think um, Scarlet Witch as well. So she looks very uh, menacing and the other ones uh, appear as well with uh, Vision later on in the trailer. So they uh, they, they strike quite a... a terrifying figures in this trailer so far yeah another thing we see is this whole army of bad guys uh who who are they hd so those are called the outriders so they're a race of uh alien beings which are genetically engineered to serve uh the purposes of whatever master they are they were first introduced in the infinity comic crossover arc in 2013 so they're fairly new sort of characters in the marvel canon but uh here we see them as sort of like the disposable soldiers that every avengers and marvel movie requires but they do look Really impressive, I would say. Yeah, they're, say, they're um, just like the Chitari in uh, yeah, the original the Chitari, the Yeah, yeah. Or, so or the Ultron, uh, whatever, in Age the of Ultron. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But they're they're really large. They have four arms. They have, like, beak-like jaws. So they do look... Uh, I like the design of them a lot, I think, more so than the Chitari and um, the robots. They have, I think, more of a distinctive style. So we'll see. They'll probably just be more fodder for uh, the big battle scene, which we see... Uh, happening in the trailer, which is um, this whole army of uh, outriders attacking Wakanda. Yeah, I know. It seems like they are uh, aiding like Midnight Proximate uh, on that battle. I think um, my co-host Sean Gerber on Superhero News pointed out that they're pulling from a lot of Marvel past and present, like uh, runs that are related to this storyline. So it'll be interesting to see like what's going to happen there. And, and I, I think that for the Wakanda battle, it has to be something big like chasing after one of the stones, maybe the soul stone. Oh, yeah. We should talk about that because that was the theory I've had for the longest time. It is because we don't know where the soul – we know where the, all the other infinity stones are and we don't know where the soul stone is. And I have been theorizing for the longest time that the soul stone is on Wakanda and that is why Wakanda – uh, possesses such advanced technology, not just with, uh, you know, a vibranium, but, um, you know, that maybe they are harnessing the power of that soul stone. And maybe that's mm-hmm. why this battle is taking place in this uh, on this on this part of the world. Yeah, no, rightly so. And even with Black Panther being the film right before Infinity War, sort of like maybe will set, help set that up. Yeah, I like that theory a lot, and I think the trailer confirms that as well, because Thanos seems to target Wakanda. Now, uh, you know, we haven't seen Black Panther yet. I'm excited for Black Panther, but I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in this uh, revealing in this trailer that kind of like the big epic battle of this film seems to be on Wakanda. Like, it seems like that, like, you know, we've heard stories of that big epic scene that involves 
what, 20, 30 characters or something? Over and, 30 Marvel characters. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, Wakanda, maybe it's because I haven't seen Wakanda on the big screen yet. It just seems like kind of a disappointing place to have that. D- does anybody disagree with me? It might, it might just even be in the beginning, honestly, because we've seen, spoiler alert, in Thor Ragnarok, it ends with Asgard on this vessel and obviously getting that party crashed and uh in the trailer we just also saw we saw loki surrounded by bodies which might be as guardians you know and by the way yeah, I'm, uh, oh go ahead i was gonna say loki obviously giving the cosmic cube to thanos here he is turned for like what the hundredth time like <laughs> you know we, we we felt so good about him at the end of thor ragnarok ben do we just have to give up all hope on loki oh no, yeah of course, yeah. I mean, you know, that, I think Thor even made a joke about it at a, at a yeah. certain point in Ragnarok. Like, you know, there's just something in that. It's the it's the uh, scorpion and the frog thing all over again, right? Like, uh, Loki just can't help himself. So I think uh, th- there is the possibility that, like, maybe I think it's he... part of his arc, honestly. Well, yeah, and, and maybe he, he does... Maybe he pulls, like, a Darth Vader or something and, like you know, eventually helps the Avengers uh, defeat Thanos when he realizes like the full destructive capabilities that he has or something like that at the end of either this or maybe Avengers four. But, um, but for now I I am not surprised in the least to see him pass the the cosmic cube off to Thanos. But if he does help them succeed at the end of this movie, are we supposed to feel good about that at this point? I feel like I'm, I'm done. I'm done with Loki. Loki, I'm done with you. Yeah, I think, that's, uh, a, that's a challenge done too. Yeah, it's a challenge that the writers are going to have to do. And you know, that's something that that Sabina was talking about in the beginning. Like, that's my biggest takeaway from all of this is like, wow, this looks like a lot. And this is a teaser trailer. So like, the idea of this movie has always been a daunting one because of the sheer number of characters in it. And I'm I'm, you know, the Russos are great at uh comedic ensembles mm-hmm. and pulling teams together. And and, you know, wrangling all of that stuff. But this is like leagues of magnitude or orders of magnitude bigger than anything that they've done before, even within the Marvel Universe. So I'm I'm really sort of uh, a little skeptical that they're going to be able to pull off something that is coherent and interesting and, and compelling in the same way. Some of the smaller scale, you know, like think about Avengers being a sp- small scale movie in comparison to this that's crazy right. like how but but that's where we are now in this cinematic universe so i'm i hope that they can pull it off but i'm not fully convinced yet i will say though by watching this trailer i think uh it's nice that you can divide the story by sort of three subplots or three areas of the movie uh which is the um the cosmic which is where thor and the guardians are and i feel like they are going to be uh attacking or trying to stop thanos from their side of the of space uh and uh, the earth side which is uh wakanda and all the exiled avengers as well as um tony and uh this this Doctor Strange, and they will eventually unite with the Avengers in Wakanda as well. So I think at least there's sort of a clear dividing line between where all the characters are, and it's not sort of a big mess of uh, of um, disarray. Right, for yeah. sure. Uh, I, I went on a rant earlier this week uh, on a thing that turned out to not be true, but I think the sentiment <laughs> holds true. And th- that was, uh, you know, there was this Vanity Fair uh, a cover story that showed Thor... 
with both of his eyes, as you know, in Thor Ragnarok, <laughs> uh, he and, and the article seemed to suggest that he had both of his eyes in, in Infinity War. But as you know, in Thor Ragnarok, Marvel's trolling. Yes, <laughs> Marvel trolled us during Comic Con in D twenty three. Yes, uh, yeah. So at, at the end of Thor Ragnarok, Thor loses one of his eyes. Um, you know, in this footage, we see Thor with one eye and having the eye patch, and obviously, you know, you mentioned the D twenty three footage. They CG'd out that uh, that eye prosthetic. Um, but better better job than Superman's mustache. Yes. Well, <laughs> well, we don't have a high def. Well, I guess we don't have a high definition version of that either. But um, <laughs> but uh, my my sentiment in that piece, even though it was wrong, uh, directed at this you know Thor's eye, was that Marvel keeps on kind of uh, it's kind of like doing this episodic storytelling in that. Things don't matter. Um, you know, people come back from the dead, like, you know, Phil Coulson or uh, Nick Fury. And, uh, you know, in this in this fi- film or in this uh, scene, we see Tony Stark with the arc reactor in his in his chest. It wasn't yeah. like the biggest plot line of Iron Man 3 that he actually decided to get that removed from himself. Um, it just seems weird that, like, we kind of go in these... Um, they make Back and these, forth. Yeah, they make yeah. these changes that do not seem to have a dramatic uh, long-term effect. Uh, what, what, do you guys have any yeah. opinion on that? Uh, no, I totally agree. I kind of felt that way at the end of Thor Ragnarok because uh, you had a lot of fun with that story and with you know everyone saving Asgard only for Asgard to possibly be like completely wiped out by Thanos for motivation in Infinity War. Like... I don't know how I feel about that possibly happening and, you know, like it just it seems like they keep going back and forth with some of these themes that it doesn't feel earned. For sure. Yeah, for me, there are some things that like you're talking about, like, you know, if if, for example, Thor would have somehow gotten his eye back, I would have been angry about that, I think. And and like I would have felt betrayed a little bit. Or if like Phil Coulson comes back in the Marvel movies, like right now, nobody really knows that he's alive. He's been relegated to TV. So it, it they haven't really cheated too much on that one. And for me, I feel like a lot of these these decisions are being made on like a movie by movie basis. Um, which, which sort of feels like part of it, you know, like, like these filmmakers are sort of like, uh, you know, playing with all of the tools that they have available to them. And, you know, you have a limited number of things you can do in these movies. So the idea of, um, you know, Tony taking the arc reactor out that worked thematically in Iron Man three for the story that Shane Black was trying to tell, but maybe the Russos need him to, you know, undergo some sort of different character transformation than he was at, you know, at the, then, then he was at the end of that movie. So maybe they bring it back for, I don't know, I guess maybe they bring it back for a reason is what I'm saying. And and, then maybe Tony dies and they need to bring back a Tony from the past. (laughs) That that just blew my mind. (laughs) I was not expecting that at all. Um, Or Tony was a scrawl this entire time. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's going to happen. We're going towards a secret war for sure at some point. Uh, But we should talk about other things that we we noticed here. Uh, uh, Spider-Man with the Spidey sense. That's something we didn't see in the Civil uh, Civil War or Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, It's such an essential part of his character and his superpowers. And it was sad that we didn't see it in Homecoming at all, especially since that's a solo film. But um, I'm really happy with the effect they have of literally raising the hair. It's, It's very effective. 
And uh, yeah, I was I was psyched about that too. And Kevin Feige said like Spider Man has this power. Like when he was talking around the time that Homecoming came out, he was like Spider Man has this ability. We just haven't shown him doing it yet. I I think he has it with or without the suit is what he said. Um, and how we explore it in a cinematic sense will change. So that you know they just sort of like put that on the back burner for the introduction of that character. But um, yeah, I'm like HCM really excited to see that sort of take full uh, center stage in in this movie. And, uh, you know, it used to be a joke that there'd be this giant light going into the sky, you know, in every big blockbuster that was like the cliche climactic thing. And now I feel like it's these portal things. like (laughs) More sky portals. Yeah. What is going on with these sky portals and why do they look like they're from Age of Ultron? (laughs) Well, I guess technically um, in the first Avengers, that was sort of semi-connected to Thanos as well. So it makes sense that it would return. We would return to that sort of trope in the in Thanos's big uh, entrance. But yeah, it's it's kind of tired. It. I don't understand why it looks like Ultron's design, like the red and and gray coloring. Maybe it's just the universal color for evil in Marvel. I'm not sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's um, I guess just a an easy way to bring in tons more aliens and tons of uh, threats without. Yeah, you have, uh, you have to get them on Earth somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it can't be a gigantic ship. Not that Thanos has a gigantic <laughs> ship that we've seen him in. Uh, okay, uh, we should talk about Thanos and his him encountering power, uh, him encountering Infinity Stones. We see in this he has a glove that has at least two stones: one from the uh, the Power Stone, the Orb from Guardians of the Galaxy, and the other being the Space Space Stone, uh, Space Stone, uh, the Cosmic Cube. Uh, we know that he obviously gets this Space Stone from Loki. We see that in this trailer. Um, but how did he get the power stone from, was that at Nova Corps? Is that where we last saw it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Xandar is dead, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad. I was like, John C. Riley and his baby are dead. Why? <laughs> oh, no, now I'm really sad. I didn't even think yeah. about that. I was like, oh, yeah, Nova Corps. And then John well, C. Riley, no. Yeah. Well, Nova Corps, I'm sure, served as like uh, a guard between, uh, you know, the galactic threats and other terrains like earth that that has to have been wiped out in order for him to even get close to earth honestly yeah i'm I'm sure we're gonna have to see that in this film and the third uh infinity stone he comes encounter with is obviously in vision's head what what is gonna happen to vision is vision gonna die we know that there's gonna be some casualties in this movie we've been promised that there will be long-term stakes uh is, is this the end of vision I mean, when we see Thanos' glove, we only see those two stones. But mm-hmm. it should be noted, we don't see the thumb. So it, there might be the mind stone, which is uh, the stone in Vision's head uh, embedded in that in the thumb. But we only we do see um, the Black Order uh, attacking uh, Vision and taking the stone. But maybe Vision gets saved. Maybe Vision, uh, they get thwarted before Vision's uh, mind stone can be taken out. Uh, but regardless, that I, is I, I the source so. of his life. So, oh, but I want it to be. And what so, I know. I keep trying to tell myself that, like, maybe when they take the stone out of his head, he just looks like Paul Bettany and is, like, more of a human <laughs> without powers. 
so uh, peter can i can i throw out a potential spoiler for for uh i guess this movie and theoretically avengers 4 as well it's it's relatively low what, key. what, what, not, what not is the good. origin of the spoiler ben uh it it involves the character of vision i'll say that Okay, go, um, go, go ahead. Okay, so uh, in August, earlier this summer, um, Paul Bettany, who plays Vision, uh, was quoted as saying, he was asked about what it was like to be a part of Avengers Infinity War. And he said, uh, and his quote was, it felt like the biggest movie that I've ever made and will ever make, and we've still got to make the next one. It's fucking crazy. So that, that uh, we wrote an article about this. Does that mean we've still got to make the next one? Does that mean that Vision himself survives? It's possible. Um, and I, I liked what HT sort of speculated in her trailer breakdown that maybe um, Scarlet Witch, stopped, you know, maybe we see that stone being pulled from uh, Vision's forehead, but Scarlet Witch comes in and saves him or something, sort of like a, a reverse of what happened in uh, Age of Ultron. Right. Um, so, th- you know, just because we see that moment doesn't necessarily mean that Thanos gets that stone in this movie anyway i mean that's a good question would they show this in the trailer if that was a big spoiler and i don't think disney would uh but i somehow think that he uh, that thanos is going to get vision's stone but even if he does and even if vision does die that doesn't mean that we're not going to see vision in avengers 4 because uh you know i've long theorized that this film is going to end with uh not the Avengers winning, but Thanos actually getting all the the, the stones, and it uh, it's gonna you know it's gonna drastically change this universe, and I think we're gonna have alternate dimensions, ones that you know where Vision still exists. So I, I think it's gonna be excuses to uh, get me mad about the lack of long term <laughs> stakes in people the people dying, people getting brought back to life. I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe this Vision's love for Wanda will cause the glove to malfunction and he'll come yes. back to life and they'll be together forever. Yeah, she'll give him true love's first, like kiss or something and like yeah. he'll wake up like Snow White. It'd be awesome. Guys, <laughs> this is the wrong Disney movie. Wrong Disney movie. Um, but, well uh, I mean like we I mean going back to what you're saying about like the stakes and stuff, we have that uh, clip in the film where it's tony holding someone's hand and like he's just like what have what have i done sort of someone's probably dying moment like i hope you know like and it seems to be around in the scene where peter parker is um ht i don't know did, what was your speculation on that oh the scene where tony is holding someone's hand yeah, yeah um yeah i didn't know what to make of it um yeah i I'm assuming it would be Peter Parker because he was the one, Tony was the one who brought Peter into this whole sort of mess when he recruited him for Civil War. So it's possible that because he gave Peter um, this new suit and he enabled him to become a more powerful superhero, uh, we see Peter being almost crushed by Thanos. So it it could happen that... um, Tony blames himself, but you know, Spider-Man: Homecoming it, it, Two is coming out, so yeah, I, I know. Dire will happen to Peter. It, it could, I feel like something it could be like Pepper Tony. Potts. Oh, it looked like a dude hand. Oh, I didn't look too 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 detailed <laughs> at it. Um, but uh, it, back to Vision for a second. If Vision does die in this movie, does that really like? Does that? Uh, what about Scarlet Witch? Like, I feel like does anybody like Scarlet Witch? And I it, like Scarlet if, Witch. It, I like her. Does she? It, but it, we just need to see more of her. It, it, isn't her whole plotline basically just the relationship with Vision? I feel like it's very uh, 
Bechtel test kind of thing. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like it, it feels very thin, and I feel like well, yeah. uh, once I you remove she, vision I can from see that, that, yeah, I think she has sort of been defined by her relationships with uh, with other men in her life. So first, it was uh, Quicksilver, her brother, and then it was Vision. Uh, briefly, sort of Steve Rogers and him trying to make help her come into her own. But I think you know that's something that is. Can, she can be separated from that. She's a good enough character, and Elizabeth Olsen's a good enough actress that they can, you know, propel her to something more than just a, a compliment to other people's characters. No, yeah, totally. And like going back to like how some of these characters seem kind of relegated to those sort of roles, um, you have, you know, Scarlet Witch potentially being like a good character in this film that is given more of a dynamic and complex uh, role within what happens and we also have you know Gamora who is or who was like one of Thanos's favorite children and I'd love to see her go up against one of the other children and show why like show that because I mean, we haven't seen enough of that in the Guardians movies and for her to have been like this like brought up to be this threat and not really see it in like her own movies has been really disappointing. And then we also have, you know, it, on the Wakandan side of things, because everyone on there is basically a superhero. I feel like Black Panther's <laughs> whole family, all of them are superheroes. Yeah. And we could see more of Okoye and what she can do. For sure. Uh, one thing that I think disappointed me with this trailer and it, it it's kind of worrying me about this, this film is part of the excitement for me seeing Infinity War is getting to see the Guardians of the Galaxy alongside the Avengers. And it really seems like, at least from what we're being teased here, that they're kind of a small part of this, you know, the cosmic storyline uh, of this whole thing. What, what, what do you guys think about that? Yeah, that's the gist I got to. Like I said before, I feel like this movie's sort of divided between um, Earth and the cosmos. And I feel like the Guardians won't be able to unite or meet with the Avengers, at least in this film or until the end. Because it seems like they're pretty much separated um, uh, alongside Thor for the majority of the movie. But we could be wrong. They could be keeping the footage from us. And uh, we only saw the Guardians for a split second, really. So uh, they might be saving that to tease for later. And that also goes back to the original concept art that we saw for Infinity War, which had uh, Rocket with the machine gun, like standing back to back or <laughs> side by side with Thor. So um, that's been something that, you know, they've been working on for a long time, obviously. Yes. Uh, so any final thoughts on this trailer? I think we've we've talked, you know, over 30 minutes on, <laughs> on a, <laughs> a three minute trailer. Does anybody have any any other observations? Uh, Peter, you had, you had something written down about um, the Hulkbuster suit. Do you think that's Bruce Banner in the Hulkbuster suit, or well, is that a typo? There, yeah, there's a Lego set that kind of indicates that Bruce Banner is inside that Hulkbuster suit. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true or not. Um, and, and there's also, um, I read that a uh, in a comic book run, semi-spoiler alert, Midnight Proximate sort of punches Bruce Banner. Banner, or punches Hulk back into Bruce Banner form, or like, or does something that you know? I don't know. I said punches, but that's just what it, it looked like to me in in the trailer. But I think she does something to him to have him revert from Hulk to Bruce Banner. But I, I just hope it's like punching. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just wondering why Bruce Banner would even need a Hulkbuster suit unless he, for some reason, doesn't. I mean, they're obviously with Thor Ragnarok playing with this idea of Bruce Banner doesn't want to be the Hulk. And is kind of trying to uh, abstain from being the Hulk. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that I guess that answers that question. If he doesn't want to transform, and the only way for him to you know make any impact in a fight is to uh, jump into one of Tony's suits, so that that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's all my thoughts on this, uh, and it seems like uh, we we have run the gambit with you guys too, right? Yeah. Shout out to Cap's beard. Uh, yeah, Cap's beard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I think I'm 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 kind of nervous. I mean, we have all these characters that you know we all love and hope we don't don't get shortchanged. But I'm mostly more excited for like the standalones, like Black Panther and Captain Marvel. I want to go in with my expectations, kind of like not too high for this so i could be pleasantly surprised because it's it's the hype is real you know so yeah we'll see i mean i think the trouble with these movies is that you have what now we we have like 30 characters or something in the movie probably like uh big characters what like 15 or something Mm -hmm. um and you each have to give them a story and some time on screen so they each get like what like 10 minutes each maybe maybe less than that and you know it's not much and then also you know it seems like the the formula for these movies is kind of keeping them separate and then having them join up in the end uh, probably this Wakanda fight sequence and it's kind of disappointing because I want to see them more together and I know that like if you gave me more time with them together it probably wouldn't be as worth it (laughs) um yeah but yeah Yeah, like one of the things I most want to see is um, seeing Star-Lord return back to Earth after not being there for uh, 20-something years and have him react to everything in modern day. But I get the feeling <laughs> we won't have something like that in uh, Infinity War, which is so just jam-packed with action and, and events. That is a good point. Yeah. I never, I, I didn't even think about Star-Lord returning to Earth. That that would be a cool moment if it happens in this film, which we don't know. But uh, yeah, okay. So I, I think that does it for Avengers: Infinity War. Uh, Sabina, where can we find more of your work online? Uh, the best place to go for my work online is my Twitter at Sabina has no R. I am also a host on the Superhero News YouTube channel, so go ahead and subscribe to that. We did uh, the trailer reaction, uh, just you know, skimming the surface of the trailer this morning, like super early, which was crazy fun. And um, yeah, like I also do filmmaking, and that is also going to be tweeted out in my Twitter. HD, where yeah. can we find more of you? You can find me at slashfilm.com. I'm on Twitter at htranbui and I have a podcast, the Millennial Falcon Podcast, on iTunes. Ben, it's your turn. You can find me on slashfilm.com as well, and you can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. You can find me at slashfilm. You can find me at slashfilm on Twitter. You can find all the uh, articles we mentioned, including HT's uh, tremendous breakdown of the trailer, which features more than we were able to talk about on this podcast uh, on SlashFilm.com and in the show notes. Uh, you can subscribe to this podcast, SlashFilm Daily, published every weekday iTunes, on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcast apps. Please go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. We appreciate it. It helps us a lot. Spread the word, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>